Footsteps behind you as you enter the woods. Night draws back its cape. Light illumines your path. Open your eyes. Listen. Welcome to Dark Softly Tales. Dark stories for dark hearts. I'm Mav Sky. Good evening and welcome to your nightmares. Where we like to keep it dark and dreamy here at Dark Softly Tales, this is your host, Mav. And today I have the pleasure of reading you a pretty dark story I wrote that was based on a dream that I had and personal experiences. And after the dream, I started researching who the man in the shiny clothes and silver pipe could be. And of course, I came across the Pied Piper. And that is when I began to research the origins of the stories. Whether the legend of the Pied Piper is true or not, one thing that we do know to be true is that people will often represent archetypes. For instance, right now, as I speak, I am possessing the archetype of the storyteller. There are both light and dark sides of the archetype of the storyteller. Storytelling is a very, what would you call it? Like a deep communication of symbols that carries information and energy. If I'm coming from a pure place, while I communicate with a listener, what comes through will be enlightening and a healing force and the person will receive whatever they are meant to receive. If I am in a place of ego, the opposite will occur. And if you think of it, there is many ways we harness this energy. If you think of someone like John Steinbeck, he is a master storyteller. His words are magical and captivating and influencing, and they've influenced the world for the better. But then you have someone um, who's not as well known, like a shaman from an indigenous tribe. And there are many roles of a shaman. A storyteller is one of them. And the lore and the symbolism carries the future generations forward. And perhaps a specific shaman does not influence the entire planet like John Steinbeck or Charles Dickinson. But for that specific tribe of people, it's everything. It's their world. So you have, you know, different archetypes and then people who embody the archetypes and then kind of the roles that they play for a specific group of people or sometimes the entire planet. And then it could be for good or for bad or really depending on the person. It just really depends on how it interacts with another person's um, chemistry, I guess you could say. Um, Archetypes are very, very powerful forces in this world. And when someone possesses one, it's like taking an electrical cord and plugging it into an outlet. If you can think of someone in your life that is highly charismatic, for better or for worse, it's most likely because they have identified with an archetype and is playing out the role. And it doesn't really matter whether the person is in the positive or the negative energy of the archetype. People will be for or against that that archetype with that person and a lot of times we can find ourselves falling into a certain kind of archetype when we're around another person who's playing out a certain role 
And sometimes the dark energy of an archetype is even more appealing than the lighter side because it enables us to engage in our egos, which is like candy for, for our emotional bodies or the part of ourselves that want more power or more money or more status. And we all are like this because we're all human, right? We all have this to a certain degree. And sometimes we root for the light and sometimes we root for the dark. I mean, sure, everyone loves Batman, but I'm certainly rather fond of the Joker, too. And I'm in awe of actors like Joaquin Phoenix, who's able to so completely embody the archetype of the Joker. That's freaking amazing. Um, all this to say that we all have pulls and tugs towards one archetype or the other, and we kind of get pulled into that story. And the pull of the Pied Piper is his magic, his flute. And like the Joker, the full embodiment of mesmerizing power. So in this story, which is very dark and deals with an abusive family situation, and I'll say now that if it might be a trigger for you, you may want to pause this now and maybe not listen to it because it is it can be highly triggering for someone. Um, but sometimes you have your good angels and other times demons that pop in and will change the situation for better or for worse. And just a FYI, Koppelberg Hill is the hill that children were led over or into a cave, depending on which account you are reading. <sighs> okay, enough intro. Relax, light a candle. We are going to a beach where the sun is hot and the mist muddies everything up. But don't worry, I got your hand and there's nothing to be afraid of. Is there? Take my hand and hang on tight as we journey into the dark softly. Never Was of Koppelberg Hill Written and narrated by Mav Sky Sun steams the bay Vapor rises and falls Turning the giant yellow globe into a water painting Uneven streaks of color spread across the sky An oily rainbow on a pavement canvas I drop the blinds and lean back into the couch cushions, hugging my knees to my chest. The living room is dark. Clothes scatter about the floor, hotels for breeding bugs. I'm wearing a dirty tank top and cut off shorts. I glance at my pink flip-flops by the sliding glass door. They have become the symbol of escape, a quick getaway. Every night when mom gets her worst, when the nagging and the drinking and anger gets the best of her, I think this is the night I'll do it. The night I'll leap into the mist and disappear under the midnight sky. I peek out the window again. I could do it right now. The moment between night and dawn. Just grab my flip-flops and be free forever. 
but I hesitate, and the sun continues to rise, bringing clarity with it, and I know I won't go. I never do, and I know I never will. My words, trapped, weak, invalid, non-existent. Out in the world, I'm a high school dropout. I barely exist on paper, paper that's been wiped and flushed. I only exist in my mother's words. Idiot, dumb, blind, lost, fucked in the head, rat, never was. I close my eyes and I see my mother. She's slapping my face. Her words. Don't you defy me. Don't tell me my boyfriend's screwing you. Liar. Never was. She's banging my head on the wall. Her words. Why can't you see how you hurt me? How my life is shit and you've got it all. You've got me. Me. Stop crying, you ungrateful tramp. She twists my ears when I get a math problem wrong. Her words. How stupid can you be? Your half-brother Daryl over in Kentucky gets this stuff. His daddy tells me all the time. Daryl is one fuck of a dumb brick. When Daryl was a baby, kid couldn't latch on to a tit to save his life. But you is even dumber in him. Don't look at me like that, girl. Damn it, get out of my house before I smack you one. Go ahead and run. You're just a junkie rat. Remember that. A junkie rat gnawing in these walls. Gnawing in my head. Get out of my head, never was. I'm older, taller now. In truth, almost 16. She gets her rich boyfriends to do her dirty business for her. The slapping and the hitting and the yelling. They do more. And I hear their words too. Slut. Bitch. Child whore. Mother's boyfriends eventually dump her for one reason or another. Then her words are, Them bastard men come and go, but you can't leave me, never was. Everyone's gotta pay the piper. And I need you, and you need me. Staying is your price. I drop the blinds again, and drop my running away plans simultaneously. Weak. I sink into the couch, stretching my legs. It creaks and I freeze, hoping not to wake anyone in the apartment. I hear mom and her latest crush snoring. My older sister's sleeping bag doesn't stir, and I breathe a sigh of relief. Safe. Quiet for a few more minutes. I consider collecting the dirty laundry and taking a walk down to the laundromat. It's fairly empty on the weekdays, especially with summer slowing down. I glance at my sister's sleeping bag and wonder if she'd help me haul it all down there. But then I remember I don't have coins. Or soap. I'll have to ask mom for some cash. Asking mom for money, for anything really, always leads to a fight of some sort. How my inability to fend for myself turns her into my slave. The men, the booze, her violence, it's all because of me. Her words, selfish daughter. I glance at my sister's sleeping bag again. 
Something is off about it. I'm not sure what until I realize it's completely deflated. The pillows tossed to the side, which is how it normally is anyway. Sasha prefers the carpet to a pillow, but I don't see her arms sticking out or mop of yellow hair frizzing the floor. I ease myself off the couch and tiptoe to the sleeping bag, kick at it with my toe. Sasha? She is gone. How long had she been gone? Mother's words. Never was. Shut up, I say back. I glance at the sliding glass door. Sasha always leaves her flip-flops next to mine. Mine sit lonely by the door. I heard her come in last night, late. It was after mom and her boyfriend returned from the casino. Sasha and I whispered about movie stars and the concerts we wanted to see, so we didn't have to hear the fighting, the clawing, the fucking in the bedroom. When did she leave? Why did my sister leave? I ask the more pressing question. Why did she leave me alone? By myself? Never fucking was, my mother's words answered back. Shut up, I tell her. Stop talking. I don't believe you. Sasha and I had talked about moving out together since the day she moved in. I almost did it by myself when I was 12. But the wolves caught me, and they ate me. They chewed me up and spit me out to pieces of a hole. That's when Sasha moved in with us. She loved me. She told me I was her long-lost sister and that I needed to stay. So I did. Perhaps this was Sasha's way of telling me it is time to go. The thought makes my insides twist and shudder. I tiptoe to the sliding glass door. Swivel the blinds so they're just barely open and slide open the door. The bay air blows in chilly and fresh. It is like a knife, the sea. It carves dungeons in the sands, enslaving sea urchins and hermit crabs, tiny fish unable to help themselves. The sea deposits pebbles and shells strategically, crashing mighty ships in two, destroying for the fuck of it giving and taking life as it damn well pleases. No one can stop her. The knife. The sea. The mother of life. I know as well as anyone, no one escapes her. Except perhaps the mist rising to the sun. I wish I were the mist, escaping the sea mother. I wish I could rise to the sun. A noise distracts me. Footfalls. They are sure, strong steps. An elderly gentleman saunters around the side of the apartment. His gait is assured, yet hesitant. He glances around as if looking for something or someone. An air of mystery clings to his peppered hair. And adding to the mystery are his sparkly, shiny clothes. I think that he's an Elvis impersonator. His jacket is made of fine silver threads. It glistens in the mist. His shirt is golden. His pants are shiny red, tight around his midsection. 
flaring out about his ankles. Black boots peek out beneath. A sparkly green belt ties the outfit together. I laugh, delighted. I wish Sasha were here to see this spectacle, this vision, this... magic. He stands still a few steps from my door. He puts his hands on his hips, staring out into the water, a brooding superhero. He watches the waves with the stance of one who has seen it all, but is still looking. One who has fought far too many battles, but seeks more. One who is in desperate need of something, or someone. I think of Sasha. There is a dark about him, lingering perhaps in the lines of his face, or hiding in the deep brown of his eyes. It is a thrilling dark, a fairy tale dark. I am intrigued, yet still hold my tongue. Despite my held tongue, my mother's words continue, whispering as they always do, in my mind. Lie, bruise, sin, abortion, and finally the worst. Alone. My words. I don't want to be alone. A strange feeling overcomes me as I watch the dark man. I decide I want to be seen, but he doesn't turn around. He just stares out to the sea. I wonder if he prefers the mother sea, despite her rage and manipulation. Startled, he turns his head right takes a few steps into the long grass toward the forest. Intensity lights his eyes. A beach trail starts 30 yards off. It leads into a brushy forest, hooking in and out of the beach line. I've walked it many times with Sasha. I strain to see what he sees. Like a lithe hunter spotting his prey, he drops to one knee in the tall grass. He loosens his collar. I see a silver pipe on a string about his neck. He removes it. I wonder if it's a magic wand, but he doesn't wave it or chant. He cups it in his hands, intently staring into the forest. He lifts the pipe and presses it against his lips like a kiss. He pauses as if remembering an old tune or note. He looks like the Pied Piper preparing to lead the children over Koppelberg's wicked hills. Never was, sneers my mother. He never was. Was too, I tell her. Once upon a time, there was a man in bright colored clothes who rescued the children of the German town. He led them over the hills and far, far away to a land of endless delight. Although... My English lit teacher said, That was the Disney version. What really happened is he led them into a dark cave where he chained them and had his way with the older children. Afterward, he murdered them one by one with an axe. But the old man isn't holding an axe. He's holding a whistle. A whistle with sweet musical notes. The notes flow one after another. I feel hypnotized by the sweet song. As he continues, I become numb. I can't feel my toes or hands, nor the fresh beach breath on my face. 
The sun explodes in the sky. Fiery crystals sear my flesh, melting my skin. I scream 1,000 times, and finally, I feel as if I'm rising, and the pain is left on the ground, rising as a droplet of water to the sun. I am in the mist. I am the mist. The musical notes call, and I obey. I see the old man before me and approach slowly, cautiously. Still on bended knee, he lowers the whistle. Come on, girl. His voice alone is music, and it flows from a shrouded face of dark, hard lines. There is haunting in his hunter's eyes. Another mystery. His hand reaches for my head, scratches behind my ears. There's a girl. I've been waiting for you. Waiting so long, my dear. Away to the hills we shall go. I flick my ears. My eyes widen. I am no longer a girl standing at a lonely doorway. I am a creature. A creature lured and enchanted by the man's music. His hand lingers over my jaw. His hand sparks energy and immoral force. Ice grips me, and I shake his palm off. I feel strength in my four legs, passion in my beating heart. Smells of sea and grass and salt fill my nostrils. I sense the forest to my back. When the shiny-coated man takes a step toward me, I bounce backwards, edgy, confused. It's just me, my dear, he says. Deer? I am a deer. My human body is gone, as if dissolved in the mist under the sun. I glance at the sun. Its rays are lost in mist, but they glow, relate, they speak. The sun's words. Escape. Run. Run away as fast as you can. My words. I am free. Come back, he cries, but I'm already leaping through the long grass, springing over fallen trees, dodging the tall brush. I feel leaves pet my flanks, branches embrace me. My words, I feel alive. The sun explodes once more. The horrible melting sensation sears my very depths and I am screaming over and over 1,000 times. And then I am back at the sliding glass door, gripping the handle, breathing heavily. My eyes are heavy, heart thumping. I watch behind the blinds. Come back, cries the old man. He's standing now, reaching one hand to the forest, clutching the whistle with the other my words, lost, afraid, unsure. The man's head drops. He stands there like this for a long time. I sense anger. I sense vengeance. And this frightens me. And yet his being lures me. The musical notes still catch on the wind. I want to cry out. I want to embrace him, follow him. But I'm just a girl who, who... Mother's words, 
Useless. Nothing. Pain. Bruise. Skinny, junky rat. Her men. Slut. Whore. Prostitute. Good-for-nothing cunt. The old man bends, placing the whistle on the ground. I stare at it. An electric hum encompasses it. A fiery halo hovers over the silver outline. I am so entranced by the whistle that I don't realize what the old man is doing. With his back to me, he removes his silver jacket, leaving it on the porch steps. He then removes his colorful shirt, belt, and even pants. He stands naked in the morning sun, strong as an ox, tired wrinkles in his warrior's skin. Removing his clothes is not sexual, but a sign or a symbol. He picks up the whistle once more, looking at it. He returns the string around his neck, pats it once, and turns. I drop the blinds and press into the wall beside the sliding glass door. I listen to him walk up the steps and walk around the side of the apartment, his footfalls vanishing in the distance between us. Despair fills me. It sinks to the very depths of my being. I don't understand it, but I feel it, just as I felt the loss of Sasha's presence. Never was. The word startles me, and I leap out of the sliding glass door, away from my mother's voice. I pick up the man's silver jacket, breathing in his scent. I glance around me, looking for him, but he is gone, and so is the mist. I carry the silver jacket back inside, sit on the couch, the silver coat in my arms. I raise the blinds, watching for the man, hoping he'll come back to retrieve his clothes or whistle for the creature, for me. After a while, my mother's bed starts creaking in hard, methodical thumps. Her piece of meat groans and grunts. In that very second, I wish I could be the mist again. I wish it would turn me back to the four-footed creature with passion in her heart and the wind on her feet. The creature's words, or is it the old man's? Freedom. Their voices through the thin walls. You should tell that fucking lazy daughter of yours to make us some breakfast. Hers. How about a shower first? The sound of a shower turning on, then thumping against the walls. I brush tears from my eyes. Standing, I slip on the silver jacket. It fits perfectly. I walk to the door, sliding into my flip-flops. I glance back at Sasha's sleeping bag. My words. Goodbye, sister. Her words. Goodbye never was. I glide to the door, gentle as a whisper. I step out into the sun. A high-pitched musical note drifts in the breeze. It comes from the woods. I turn in that direction at first, walking, listening. As it continues, I sprint. I run as fast as I can. Darkness veils the trees. Fog clouds the air. The sun is hidden. Perhaps hidden forever, but I don't care. Tree branches scratch my legs. Flip-flops fall from my feet to the forest floor. 
vines wrap in and around my hair. I see a cave. Midnight sits inside it. So does an old man. Darkness and mystery clutch him like a secret, a magician. The whistle kisses his lips. An axe sits across his knee. Even still, I run and run towards the sweet music and never look back. Who likes dark stories? People who have experienced a touch of the dark side. People who are a little wiser to the world. People who like their bones chilled and their spines tingled. People like you and me. It's hard to find a story these days that write on the dark side with a touch of whimsy, humor, and heart. Mav Sky spreads her dark wings and solves this problem for you. Head on over to Amazon and type Mav Sky's name into the search engine. M-A-V-S-K-Y-E. At Amazon, you'll find her Tales to Chill Your Bones series, Girl Clown Hatchet series, Supergirl series, her cult classic novel, Wanted Single Rails, and of course, her brand new release, Cold Hangs the Midnight. Choose your dark flavor and head on over to Amazon today.